was hesitant about that because for, for me, like doing the next right thing is the most important thing. Without that, nothing else matters. So we basically said that we have to be comfortable turning away money to do the next right thing and to help people. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky. It's so wonderful to have you here, just as it is so wonderful to be your host and have the opportunity to bring you this wonderful show, this wonderful experience that is certainly making a difference for a lot of people. I'm reading the feedback that I'm uh, getting about the show, about the guests, and, and things you're taking away from it. So thank you very much for that support. And uh, yeah, loving it. So on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming co-founder, of the Sylvia Brathman Mental Health Center, Mr. Jamie Blaustein. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and uh, really glad to be on. Look, it's a pleasure to have you here. We're gonna be talking about mental health, the challenges in overcoming addiction, careers after addiction, and how to understand and manage your emotions and so much more. You've had one heck of a journey to get to where you are today. And I think that uh, one of the first things that comes to mind, Jamie, is that you can't buy experience. And we're gonna take a bit of a deep dive into that if you don't mind in a moment. But uh, where are you calling in from today, Jamie? Well, I am in sunny Miami, Florida. Sunny Miami, Florida. Uh, is, is it actually yeah. sunny at the moment? Uh, it's beautiful. I won't. Uh, what, where are you, Rick? I'm in a place called McLaren Vale, South Australia, in Australia. Don't hold that against oh, me. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. Well, I was gonna say I, I didn't know if you were in the states or if you were up north. I wasn't gonna tease you by by showing you what it looks like outside. No, no, don't you do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually moved down here from New York City uh, about six months ago. I'm sure we'll get into that. But yep. Um, it's very nice quality of life and very comfortable. We always take a bit of time, Jamie, to learn a bit about our guest background. Now, I know you have a, a love, a passion for sports and things of that nature. Tell us a little bit about that part of your life. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm an unapologetic uh, <laughs> New York Giants fan, uh, Duke Blue Devils, where I got my MBA, uh, Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I, I you know, I was okay at playing sports back in the day. I played tennis in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, more more on the fan side than the player side, I would say. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, do you, so, do you, yeah, definitely do you, a passion. With the COVID thing going on, I don't know how it's affecting you guys at the moment, but is there much of a lockdown situation going on or, you, or do you get to go to the, uh, the games? Yeah, so I think um, where Australia is on that spectrum, is probably I don't know if it's the opposite end of the spectrum from mm. Miami, but probably pretty close from, from what I've seen. Um, Miami uh, is on the more lenient side. Let's Got just it. say that more lenient than New York. Um, people are going to sporting events for sure. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Now look, um, I, I noticed one thing: we do get to go to all of these events, but we're having to, you know, wear the masks and. And, and use QR codes and all this stuff that goes with it. It's just <laughs> quite painful. I'm hoping that it comes to normal um, fairly soon. Now, yeah. Jamie, I'd love to also uh, learn a little bit else about, uh, I guess, your private life. Now, do you enjoy movies? Do you do you enjoy that sort of thing? What do you do in your downtime? Sure do. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm an avid, uh, well, I haven't been a movie goer, but yeah, I love movies. Um, I 
I mean, I, I, I love uh, eating. That's that's my vice these days, for sure. I'm a big, a big foodie, um, very uh, family and friend oriented. And um, I go to the gym every morning. So that's sort of where I get my, my physical release. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I actually think TV is better than movies these days, frankly. Yes. Um, it really is. It's, it's pretty, pretty unbelievable with all the different platforms, but I, I do love movies for sure. See, you get the 8K at home, stay home, you got Netflix. Why would you need to go out? I, I mean, I agree. And same to be said with, uh, as we were just talking about sports, it's really hard to justify paying really top dollar for a sporting event because it's at least American football, it's it's televised so well yep. that the delta between the experience is uh, much smaller than it used to be. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely loving it. So uh, when you were growing up, I know that there were some rough times, but prior to that, early on in your life, do you recall, I guess your younger years, I recall my younger years, what do you remember about it? You know, I had a pretty good childhood, mm -hmm. um, well-adjusted, a lot of friends, good grades, uh, my parents got divorced when I was two. Mm -hmm. uh, both got remarried, though, when I was pretty young. So, um, you know, my my early childhood w was good. I mean, I lived with my mom. I would visit my dad every other weekend. But um, nothing real strange there. Um, obviously, the, the progression is, <laughs> is a, a wide... Uh, variation between between the different phases of my life yeah. but but i would say early childhood was quite smooth sailing yeah because right now i mean you're at the top of the tree you're at the you're in the best part of the game and uh, you've done really really well for yourself and it should be uh, recognized and uh, and congratulations on that now i wonder you talked a little bit earlier about um, um sports and i think lifting weights and the likes so what does a day look like for you given that you must be so busy yeah. Um, another one of my vices is is being a workaholic. To be to be quite honest, I don't say that with pride. Mm. I actually I'm working on learning to relax a little bit. Backing off. Um, yeah, yeah. But but high level to give you the very concise version. Wake up like six six thirty. I meditate. I go to the gym. I do mm. the sauna, steam room. Um, I have about a 45 minute commute, which I actually really like because it's the one time where I feel like I get to like sort of check out, you know, yes. listen to listen to your podcast. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> you know, listen to some music, um, you know, w work. And, uh, you know, in the evenings, I, you know, I, I tend to work or, you know, go to some sort of meeting or meet with friends. And I, I, I I'm still conditioned to my investment banking days, which yes. was... Yep working late um, and starting a bit later. So it's kind of counterintuitive for me to go to bed early, but I'm trying to be, uh, you know, on a more normal schedule these days. So tell me something, eh? do you find it difficult to switch off? Do you suffer from insomnia? I, I know that high performers often find it difficult to, you know, get to sleep. Do you find that to be a challenge for you? And if so, what do you do? Oh man, I fall, I sleep like a baby. Oh, you're to lucky. Be, to be quite honest. I will say sometimes I have issues staying asleep. I'll yep. often uh, wake up and stay up for like an hour and then go back to sleep. But in general, I I'm I have no complaints about my sleep. That's that's pretty solid overall. I'd love to talk a little bit about I guess your educational background for context as well as your professional background because you've clearly done a great deal. Would you mind sharing about that part of your life? 
Sure. So specific to education? Uh, education and professional background, things you've done, you've just touched on yeah, investment yeah. banking and likes. Of course. Things. Yeah. So I went to the University of Michigan for undergrad. Mm -hmm. um, I was a sociology major. <laughs> I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I just, I thought law school was probably in the picture. Mm -hmm. um, it was sort of a default choice. I, yeah. I, I actually can't, can't really tell you 100% um, what drove that. But in any case, you know, I, I, well, I'm sure we'll get into it at some point. I really struggled personally throughout undergrad um, with substance abuse and um, all of the unmanageability that's associated with that. Mm. So when I graduated, I was able to finagle my way into the financial industry, um, but only only by sort of leveraging my ability to to wear a mask and and like present well in an interview uh, and use my personality, right? So I, it, was, it wasn't real financy, if you will. It was more sales. Yep. Um, but I had a couple jobs in the financial industry, uh, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo. I finally got clean when I was 24 years old. And uh, everything really at that point took off in an amazing way. Yep. Um, and so eventually I went over to a firm, you know, in sobriety, um, I got sober while I was at Wells Fargo, uh, called Lord Abbott. I did um, institutional sales for them. And Lord Abbott's about $160 billion asset manager, mostly mutual funds. Mm -hmm. um, I then went to business school. You know, I sort of viewed that as like my second chance yep. to, to have a, a college experience. I, I really um, was checked, not mentally there, not mentally well during my undergrad experience. Mm. So I went to Duke for my MBA. That was, uh, an amazing experience. I loved every second of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then from there I went into the investment banking world. So part of my rationale for business school was I wanted to do something, um, a little more intellectually rigorous, something where I could really get in the weeds of a company's strategy and financials and operations and, and, you know, do financial modeling. And, um, I, I couldn't have done that before because I simply didn't have the, um, you know, the base knowledge that I needed to mm. understand what was going on. So I did that for about three years. I was in the industrials group at Credit Suisse in New York city. Yep. Um, painful at times, but in general, uh, I really learned a ton. I had some great coworkers, did a lot of cool deals, uh, M and a, um, some IPOs mm -hmm. that deals, and I learned a ton. Um, and so that, that was a positive experience in my mind. I think a lot of people have some PTSD from investment banking. <laughs> yes. But to me, it was, it was a positive one. And, and I think a lot of that is because I was doing the things that I needed to do for my own mental wellness throughout. Um, like I, I made sure that like without that, it doesn't really matter what job you have or, you know, what do you have going on in your external world? Because there's a lot of people I know that their lives look really good on paper, but they're, they're dying inside. Yeah. And, and so the fact that I've always, not always, but in the last eight years prioritized that I think um, has amounted to some external successes. And where I'm at today is uh, I'm the CEO of the Sylvia Braffman Mental Health Center. Mm -hmm. The genesis of that is I got a call from this guy, Ben Braffman. Ben Braffman is uh, really regarded as 
a behavioral health expert. Um, I met him when I was 21 years old in my fourth rehab. I had, gone, I had been to seven rehabs wow. uh, between the ages of 18 and 24. Yep. Um, ben ran that rehab. He actually kicked me out of rehab. And um, we just sort of like stayed in touch over the years very infrequently. But mm -hmm. I think with social media these days, he saw enough to, to, to recognize that, you know, my life had really started to come together. Um, additionally, when I would visit Florida from New York, I would often reach out and offer to come speak to the patients. It, it was obviously to help them, but, but mainly for me, it was like uh, just an amazing sort of benchmark and like a perspective, right? Because I could envision myself sitting in that rehab. And, and so anyway, um, he told me, look, I, I sold Destination Hope. I want to start something more mental health focused. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be involved? I needed somebody like him to do this. He needed somebody like me. And so it was sort of a match made in heaven. I was already exploring some professional uh, paths that involved similar types of criteria. Um, but this just made a lot of sense. And so I, I we raised some capital um, and I moved down to Miami and, and here we are today about, you know, six months into the job. Wow. That's an amazing story. Now I wonder when you met, um, Ben now, was he the only, I guess, uh, almost like a mentor. Did you, do you see value in people who struggle through their lives forever for whatever reason, addiction, whatever the, the problem might be, do you think it's important to have somebody around you that you can talk to? So just to clarify the question, you're, you're asking, do I think it's important to have like a mentor around you that you could talk to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, be it that you're wanting to grow professionally or privately, you know, or personally. Absolutely. I mean, then in my relationship, um, I don't know if I would characterize it as mentor mentee, but mm -hmm. there's some element of that. Yeah. Um, he is a mentor in the professional sense. He bounces life stuff off of me. I bounce life stuff off of him. Yeah. But I couldn't rely on him, ju just him, right? Because I, to get to the point that I got to, I had to really, especially in early sobriety, really rely on people that, because, um, you know, ben, ben wasn't really in the picture. He wasn't right? It was more like, yeah. you know, like I, I was in his treatment center, but, you know, I got kicked out and, yeah, you yeah. know, I had to really latch on to people um, in a non business arrangement sense. Um, mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, sponsors in 12 step programs. Yeah. So like my first sponsor was the man that like literally picked me up out of the grave, uh, you know, drove me to my final treatment center, put me on a plane and then was there to pick me up, you know, Incredible. 35 days later. Yeah. So I, I've been very lucky to accumulate um, amazing mentors, both personally and in business. And it's absolutely essential. I, I don't take credit for any of this. No. I mean, I, I've been very, very lucky. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I know we live in a tumultuous world, just to understate it massively. Um, right now, there's lots of stress going on. There's obviously certain parts of the world you certainly wouldn't want to be in right now. And then there's um, pandemics and the likes. Now, how does that affect one's mental state? And what do you suggest to people who are feeling isolated in this regard and, and worried and concerned? How do you think they should manage it? 
Yeah, there's a, a lot of headwinds right now for mm. people's mental health. Mm. Um, for good and bad reasons. So the, the bad is, yeah, there's been, it's been a rough couple of years for some people. COVID has exacerbated people feeling isolated, people feeling separate them from, separate from um, on the other hand, there's been a lot of people that have influence and power speaking out and destigmatizing mental health. Yeah. So I think a lot of the stuff that we look at at Sylvia Brathman and that I, I look at personally is what is the source of my internal unmanageability? Is it an outlook on the world? Is it a perspective? Maybe that perspective was informed by just the way that I grew up, the lessons that my family instilled in me, certain experiences or traumas that I had growing up. Is it a chemical imbalance? Um, that matters when determining like, what do we do to address it? So our philosophy is let's throw everything at the wall. And by everything, I mean spiritual, clinical, medical, physical. Mm -hmm. And that includes psychiatric, medical includes psychiatric. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And let's hone in on the stuff that people are responding to quickly. And if we're going to fail in any of those areas, we want to fail quickly. Yeah. That's my philosophy with business too. If you're going to fail, fail quickly. Fail so quickly. Um, in my case, 90% of it was a spiritual experience that I needed. And by that, I mean a shift in my outlook on the world. Yep. And I got that through the 12 steps. But then there was probably 10% that I couldn't access, you know, of my mental, um, you know, whether it's mental illness or my just not feeling completely at ease, uh, that was due to a chemical issue and, mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, some stuff that could be addressed clinically. But then there are people where it's the inverse of that. Maybe it's 90-10 or maybe it's 50-50. Yeah. And so uh, I do think that a lot of the headwinds um, in society... I think social media is uh, really destructive for a lot of people. I think mm. a lot of people, even if they're, they're not somebody that needs to go to a mental health treatment center, mm -hmm. the social media and the COVID together, it enforces a sense of separateness. And that might be called by a doctor depression or anxiety. Yep. But in general, people feel like they're not part of. And that at our basic level is what every human being craves to feel a sense of belonging. And so um, I think the common theme among those headwinds is that people are feeling like a separate fragment in a, in a universe that um, is hostile. And to varying degrees, that's the case. And of course, some people, you know, they could uh, mitigate it very easily and other people can't. And, you know, there's a very wide spectrum. It's great feedback. Thank you so much, Jamie. I think as an extension to social media, we have a, I guess, a bigger um, um, tool at play called marketing. Now we have this almost idea about uh, what a perfect person looks like and body shape and all these other things that would be fed in. Do you switch off? Do you put the, the device away? And what do you suggest to those who are struggling with this and the, this idea of perfect, perfect body and body image and that sort of thing? Yeah. I, I really try to switch off. Mm. Um, honestly, putting the phone down, getting quiet, like that's where you can see some truth. 
And yeah. Yeah. and I think like it's really hard. I mean, we have people come in for electronics addiction. I mean, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it's whether it's video games or I think everyone in some sense is addicted to you know the the scene if you will right whether that's via social media or you're texting with their friends um that form of escapism isn't it a hundred percent i mean i i'm absolutely guilty of it like i me too often really want to put the phone away i'm addicted to it i really am mm. i i do a good job so one of the things that i try to do is so like i'll take a um a bath sometimes at night and yep. i'll make sure that i leave my phone in the other room mm -hmm. and i sort of like turn that into a little meditation um sometimes if i know i'm going in somewhere uh for like a you know under an hour i'll just leave the phone in the car yep. i have to make an effort at it but my natural compulsion is to take the phone <laughs> to constantly be glancing at it yeah because it does mitigate a sense of it's a dopamine hit. Yep. I mean, it really is. It, yep. It's a dopamine hit. Yeah, and uh, it's really destructive at the end of the day. <laughs> um, you know, it's a double-edged sword. You seem to have, or you do have, a lot of amazing skills and experience that you're bringing to the table. I often ask people, what do you think your one superpower is? The thing you do the best. What's the one thing? It's a great question. Um, I think it's the ability to do real talk. And by that, I mean, cut away the BS, whether it's in business or in personal life and just say the truth. And sometimes that's difficult, but I, I think I'm good at reducing the noise. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Kind of clearing away the different objections of the mind and just getting to the core. I don't waste words. No, maybe I have a little bit in this podcast. I try not to waste words. I try to be efficient. <laughs> not at all. No, I'm absolutely loving this conversation. This reveals the truth about what it means to be human, what it means to be vulnerable, but also overcoming those obstacles and, you know, taking yourself and your performance to the next level. And there's some great takeaways for people who are listening today, Jamie, and I really appreciate it. Now, tell us a little bit about, um, um, how the Sylvia Braffman um, journey started. I know that you met, you met Ben and that was the catalyst, but tell us about, I guess, the more practical side of bringing something sure. together like this. Yeah, yeah, so, so he called me, so I was down in Miami working from home as a banker. Mm -hmm. um, I signed like a four month lease to just live down here because it was more appealing than being in New York at the time. And he reached out to me, this was January 21, and wait, 21, yeah, 21. Tom and, um, right, so because I happened to be in Florida, I was like, okay, let's meet for coffee. So he piqued my interest. And at the time I was talking to a friend from business school about doing a search fund. I'm not sure if you know what that is, but basically you raise capital mm -hmm. from these institutional investors who invest in this type of vehicle. Yep. And you look for a company to buy. And that search can take anywhere from one to two years. And they're basically funding your search. They're funding you, uh, you know, doing your due diligence, living expenses. So you raise like, you know, if you're doing a partnered search, like I was with my friend, you know, mm -hmm. about a million bucks or whatever, 600,000, so somewhere in that range. Yep. 
Um, you look for a company to buy, you buy it. And what I really liked about that was, A, I liked the fact that I could be a CEO, um, that I could be my own boss, that I could have autonomy and, and leverage. I, I felt like I wasn't great at any one thing mm -hmm. in business, yep. but I was like very good at several things. And so it would be more of a holistic approach to, to business as opposed to, you know, sort of just going, I would go broader as opposed to deeper. Yep. Um, and, and I wanted equity. Like I, I recognized it's really tough, especially when you're doing something as, as, uh, demanding as banking. Yeah. You make good money, but it's really tough to, if you want to make decent amount of money, like a, a good amount of money, and you're going to grind that hard mm -hmm. and do it simply by renting your time, you're going to burn out, or at least I'm going to burn out. Some yeah. people can do it. Yep. They're built differently. Yep. Um, so therefore I knew I wanted equity in something and the search fund checked all those boxes. What I didn't like about it, it basically required you to get up and go move to wherever this company was that you acquired. And the investors want to hear that you're not, that you're geographically agnostic, that you'll go to the middle of, you know, Arkansas, if that's where the company if is. If that's what's needed, yep. Exactly, because you have to look for a business that has a specific profile, um, a certain level of cash flow margins, uh, mm -hmm. EBITDA margins, a certain size. There's a very specific recipe. Green this was um, popularized, I believe, at Harvard. Harvard teaches a class on it called Entrepreneurship Through Acquisition. Mm -hmm. um, Stanford, I believe, popularized it as well. But there's a, it's well-documented. And anyway, I, I was sort of like souring on the idea of the search fund right around the time that Ben reached out to me. And when we started talking, I said, okay, on a personal level, I'm actually content doing what I'm doing in recovery, like keeping recovery and business separate. Yeah. Because I, I've been very vigilant about sponsoring guys through the 12 steps, being involved in recovery yep. while I've been doing investment banking. And frankly, I was okay with that. Yep. Um, but I recognized after a few conversations that it was an expanded platform to be able to help more people, that it was an opportunity to be help folk, to help folks that might not be addicts necessarily, but have other mental health stuff going on that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. I recognize that there's a major gap in the really good primary mental health treatment centers. Um, there's a lot of substance abuse treatment centers, but fewer really good mental health treatment centers. Um, and so all of that appealed to me on a personal level. On a professional level, I realized that it actually checked a lot of the same boxes that the search fund did. It was sort of my own little search fund in a way. Mm. Um, it's just that we were starting a company as opposed to buying something with existing cash flows. Yeah. That said, because I had someone like Ben who's, you know, just did this for the last 15 years, um, it was more of like a guarantee, not guaranteed, but it felt more like buying a business than like if the spectrum is buying an existing business with cash flows and customers on this side, yep. and this is like, a pure risky like tech startup. startup yep it fell kind of in the middle because yeah, yeah. we weren't trying to like hit a home run and like you know 
like a like a VC type investment, right? Like find some rare technology and you have no clue if the market's gonna appreciate it or not. And mm -hmm. you know, maybe you'll make like a hundred X on your investment, but there's a good chance you'll good just go belly up. <laughs> it wasn't that. It was yep. more of a okay, we know what we're doing. It was a it was I liked the risk reward profile. A calculated risk. Especially risk. Right, exactly. Because we had then. So um so I, I it my risk appetite it was it was in line with that mm. and basically what i did was I, I used my investment banking skills i created a model i did a valuation looked at you know all the different valuation methodologies i put a deck together yep. um and i went out and basically tapped into my natural network and and raised capital and and so that was the first step in all of this um i i did so at a five million dollar valuation um i was able to maintain uh, majority ownership Ben has a nice stake as well. Yep. And outside investors have 19%. Um, did I say a million dollar valuation? It was, a, it was a $5 million valuation. Yeah, you we said raised five. A little, okay. We raised a little over a million. I got uh, some private placement debt as well. Mm -hmm. And then we turned our attention to operations and hiring our team. And um, it's, it's <laughs> somewhat trial and error. I'm realizing when you hire people, right? You can always... <laughs> Go yep. what's on, you know, what's on paper, obviously, will get you in the door. It's really, really hard to project how somebody's going to do in the job. You oh, really, yeah. it's very challenging to foreshadow work ethic and, you know, all of the intangibles. Would you so, like to like buy, said, would, would you like to buy my HR crystal ball? I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'd buy it for a lot because oh, it, it would. would save us a lot of money, actually. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, but I finally feel like we have the team that we need to grow and yep. be successful. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the process really was, you know, operations, getting that tightened up, um, getting our licenses, you know, a lot of work went into that. And, and then finally we opened up the patients in September, uh, September 21st, 21. Congratulations. That's a, a, a major, major milestone and certainly took a lot of work to get there. And, um, and, you know, it's just amazing what you can do when you really put your mind to it. Now, tell us a little bit, um, we're getting to the pointy end of the call. I'm wondering if you could share what the six pillars of SM, uh, SM, sorry, SBMHC is all about. Yeah, sure. So essentially Ben and I, we had to have like a very, um, personal chat early yep. on before we decided to partner together. And there were a couple things that we agreed upon. One was no matter what, we always do the next. So I had to learn, I, I, I heard through the grapevine that there was some shadiness going on in this industry right. and that it had largely been cleaned up, um, but that there are still some shady characters around, mostly with substance abuse. Um, but I was hesitant about that because for, for me, like doing the next right thing is the most important thing Without yeah. that, like th nothing else matters. Nothing matters. So we basically said we have to be comfortable turning away money to do the next right thing and to help people. Um, it's a very odd combination of altruism and business. Yeah. But it, it is just that there's a business component to this. Yep. Um, so that was the first thing we were aligned on. And the, the second thing was, okay, what principles do we want to flow through this place? whether it be the culture of the staff, uh, whether it be the clinical content and, and the clinical program. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we decided, okay, let's figure out what these 
what these principles are, and ultimately there were six of them, and and we made them the six pillars. And you know, it's a little gimmicky, but no, no. it's real. Yeah, and it, and it flows through. And you know, the first one is the comeback. That's like there's a little bit of ego in that, but like that's been my story. You know, I, was, I knew I, straight away when I read that. May I say, I thought, is this about Jamie? It just felt well, it was. I, it's not just me. I've seen so many people who have done the right thing and mm. done the things that are suggested to get better, and their life is unrecognizable. And that's why we do this. We don't do this just to like survive and feel okay. We do this to go out and be part of life and like do the things that I've been lucky enough to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a little ego in that, but like that's what we want. We want to like we don't cherry pick our patients. We want to take people who are like in the gutter. Yeah. And and see them completely thrive. And there's a lot of just, you know, the comeback, right? Like we yeah, want people to bounce back, yeah. be the best version of themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, flourishment, like, again, it's not about just white knuckling it, it's about flourishing and, and, and doing great things. Uh, connection, like I said, the lack of connection with the world, with ourselves, with God, whatever you want to call it, um, that that's, the big sort of hole that a lot of people have. And, and so connection with others and with oneself is a crucial part of everything that we do. Um, and then, you know, adaptability, acceptance, awareness, just other principles other that components. are paramount to getting better that yep. we talk a lot about. Now, I wonder, um, given that you're in one location, presumably, are there intentions to expand? But also if somebody needs you now and they're desperate for help, if they were to contact you, do you have a network? How, do, how does that go? Absolutely, yeah. So people travel to us from all over. Mm. Um, you know, we have people from Seattle to Florida to uh, Boston, like everywhere in the everywhere. US. But we also have a virtual program. Um, and so a lot of people will zoom into our intensive outpatient program. And then if we can't help somebody, we, we do not just leave people hanging. We refer them. We, yeah. we have a very robust network of other facilities and other methods of treatment in all areas of the world. So we make sure that it's not, hey, are you able to get to us and do you have the right insurance? Uh, and if not, yeah. you know, click. That's not it. Like, we'll, we'll get you help um, regardless. Yeah, that's wonderful news. That's Even if it's not us. No, that's great. Just having that network, I thought that was a very powerful thing to be able to cover today. I appreciate your feedback on that. Now, if there are people on the call today and you think uh, you might need some help and you want to reach out, I wonder, Jamie, if you could just share the process from here and where they might find you. Yeah, um, so the, the process is our website, mm -hmm. com. That's S-Y-L-V-I-A, Brathman.com. Uh, very easy to get in touch with us. You can click the, you know, contact us or the get help or any one of the 10 different buttons that will send an email to us. <laughs> yep. Um, we can be called at, at our main number, 954-495-4020. People will often reach out on LinkedIn, on Instagram. It's at Sylvia Braffman Center. Um, we're everywhere. We have a nice online presence right now. It's still growing. But there's uh, about 10 different avenues to get in touch with us. And if somebody needs help, we'll do an assessment. We will do a, a pre-admission screen, basically, mm -hmm. and either proceed with admitting them to our program or make sure that they get help elsewhere. 
So again, if you're on the call today and you think uh, you might uh, benefit from knowing Jamie and working with his team and seeking the help that you, you feel that you need, certainly reach out to Sylvia Brathman. Again, I'll be making sure that you'll be able to contact them no matter where you find this post or listen in. You'll be able to find links back to Jamie and his wonderful team. And Jamie, I just have to say, what a great call. Thank you so very much for joining me on the show today. Yeah, I, I got to say, I, I don't see this every podcast I do, but th this was the best one. You facilitated this very well. You asked very thoughtful questions and I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.